The book of Hebrews begins with this. Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets and at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him, he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. The writer of Hebrews begins with a, a look at who Jesus is. Because this book is going to be all about the fact that Jesus is greater than anything or anyone. And he begins with the reminder that Jesus is greater than even the angels. He's greater than the angels because he was there at creation. He created the world with God. He's greater than the angels because he's the exact representation of God. When the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we saw God perfectly walk on earth. And the writer of Hebrews looks and says, this man is greater than anything or anyone. And as we flip through the book of Hebrews, you're going to see that the writer says he's greater than the angels. So for the modern day church, you know what? Jesus is greater than your spirituality. We have some people that say, I'm spiritual, but I don't really like Jesus. They would worship angels or they would worship uh, uh, just a, a force or a being. But Jesus is greater than our spirituality. And then he's gonna go through and say, Jesus is greater even than Moses. He's greater than any spiritual leader that we've ever seen on earth because he is God. The writer of Hebrews is going to go on and say, Jesus is even better than a guy named Melchizedek. He is the great high priest in the Old Testament. Jesus is better than our spirituality. Jesus is better than any religious leader we've ever seen. Jesus is better than any priest we've ever encountered before. He is greater than. And one of the reasons that he's greater than is the fact that he came and walked among us. God in human flesh. Think about this for a second. As men and women who were born of the flesh, God sent his son to be like us, to save people that are, that are flesh and bones. What did God send? He sent us a flesh and bones savior. And the book of Hebrews says that this savior is greater than anything or anyone, any trouble or trial that we're going through in life. And very specifically today, I want you to know that Jesus is greater than any temptation you're facing. Do you have some spiritual goals in your life right now? Well, if you do, you're going to face temptation to not reach those goals. If you set some spiritual goals in your life, maybe you want to change the words that you say, you're going to be tempted by the enemy to use those words that you don't want to say. Maybe you're going to try and put a cap on your anger. And the enemy is going to use the the Aggies to tempt you and the Longhorns to tempt you with that anger. You are going to maybe set some goals where you're going to keep your mind clean and pure and not think about things that are wrong before the Lord. And you're going to be tempted with every option of impurity because you have made a spiritual decision. But I want you to know that Jesus is greater than any temptation that you face. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 2, verse 17. 
For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And then he might make atonement for their sins. That flesh and blood Savior provided for flesh and blood people what no one else could provide. Atonement for our sins. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. And when he was raised again from the dead, he proves that he's God and he offers victory and life to all who would believe. That's our message in Christ, friends. But as you keep reading Hebrews 2, verse 18, listen to this. He is greater than any temptation. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He was able to help those who are being tempted. Did you see it? Jesus suffered when he was tempted. So he is able to help those that are being tempted. That's you and that's me. When was Jesus tempted? Just before he began his public ministry, he went on a 40-day fast in the wilderness. And after 40 days, the enemy came to him. And Jesus was obviously hungry. And so what did the enemy say? The enemy said, see this rock right here? Turn it into bread. Feed yourself. And Jesus responded to the enemy that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, even Jesus was on a low-carb diet. Not really. But Jesus refused. Jesus refused to use his miraculous power to benefit himself. It's one of the things that we see again and again and again and again in the Gospels, that Jesus came to bless others. Jesus came to benefit others. And in that moment, the enemy said, would you take this rock and turn it into bread? The next moment, the enemy took Jesus up to the highest point in the temple. And he looked out and he said, you know, the, the, the enemy quoted the Bible back to Jesus. And said, you know, if you jump off, the Bible says the angels will come and your foot won't even touch the ground. And Jesus replied back. It's also said, don't put the Lord your God to a test. So the enemy tried to get Jesus to test God. Prove that you're his son. Prove that you are God. Prove that you're the savior. He will come and rescue you. Your foot won't touch the ground. And Jesus said, hey, I'll prove that I'm God. The Bible says, don't put the Lord your God to a test. And then lastly, the enemy took Jesus to the high point in the mountain. And he said, look at all of this. I will give it to you. If you will worship me, all of this will be yours. And I just laugh at that. That's like your kid loaning you money. <laughs> it's already mine. <laughs> and you're giving it to me? Do you, do you realize that is the enemy, as the devil offered Jesus everything that he could see if he would simply worship him? He was offering to Jesus what was already his. Now he was offering a shortcut. He was offering a path that didn't include three years of ministry and death on the cross. He was offering a shortcut. He was offering a way for Jesus to have it all, but not feel the weight and bear the brunt of our sins. He was offering a shortcut. But what did Jesus do? <laughs> Jesus rebuked him and said, Away from me, Satan. He said, I worship the Lord God only. And so what happened? The enemy left and the angels came and they attended to Jesus. See, when Jesus was tempted, these stories are included in the Bible so that you can know when Jesus was tempted, he, he was tempted so that he could help those of us who are still 
being tempted. He was just like us. Minus one thing. Keep reading. I'm going to jump over to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. One of the reasons that the book of Hebrews was written is so that you and I would love Jesus and hold on to the faith. So that you and I wouldn't settle for anything that's less than, but instead we would always hold on to the greater than one, Jesus, and continue on, endure, persevere in the faith. Verse 15, why do we we hold firmly to the faith? Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So the Bible here says that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are tempted in every way. And yet he did not sin. And somehow in God's economy, we sinners who are saved by his grace, by faith alone in Christ alone, we sinners despite our failure, invited to approach the throne of grace with what? With confidence. And what will we find? We will find mercy, that which we don't deserve, and we will find grace. See, our Savior Jesus is greater than any temptation that you face because he has faced every temptation and did not sin. Our Savior is greater than any trouble or trial that you will face because he faced every trouble and every trial and even every temptation that you face. And he did not sin. And now let me show you where our Savior is. Our Savior is seated in a position of strength. He is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. This Savior that intercedes on our behalf. This Savior that bridges the gap between us and God. This Savior that's our advocate today is is doing so from a position of strength seated at the right hand of God. And in his position of strength, the Bible here says that he can empathize with our weakness. Do you know the difference between sympathy and empathy? Sympathy is what you feel when you've been through the exact same thing as someone else. And Jesus can't sympathize with our temptation that leads to sin, but he can empathize with our temptation. You know what empathy is? Empathy is when you put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You've never experienced what they're going through, but you can relate to it. You've never gone through exactly what they're going through, but you can, you, can, you can feel what they are feeling. You're putting yourself into their shoes. Well, when Jesus came, he put himself in our flesh. He put himself, God, in human flesh. He put himself in our shoes. And we have a Savior who can empathize with our weakness. And yet he did not sin. And so he comes from a position of strength that says, no matter how weak you are, You are welcome with me. This man who comes from a position of strength, this God who comes from a position of strength, looks and says, no matter how weak you are in your trials, in your troubles, in your temptations, 
you are welcome with me. And you can approach that throne of grace with confidence. See, Jesus is greater than any trouble, any trial, or any temptation. And as we continue to walk through Scripture together today, I want you to see three ways that you can have greater than thinking in your world today. Three ways that I can live with this greater than thinking. Because if Jesus is greater than any trouble, trial, or temptation, then this changes how I see life and it changes how I live. It gives me hope. It gives me strength. It gives me encouragement. It gives me confidence. So where does that begin? First one is this. Faith is greater than temptation. Y'all can fill in that blank. As we look at greater than thinking, we must be convinced that our faith is greater than any temptation that we will face. Listen to what the Bible says. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, who was a really jacked up church. And he wrote to them about temptation. And he, he writes this, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to all mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This verse is oftentimes misquoted. This is a verse that many times well-meaning Christians will look and say, God will never give you more than you can handle. <laughs> Anybody just, that just makes me laugh. Does God ever give us more than we can handle? Yes. That's why we depend upon him. That's why we live by faith and not by sight. But here's the issue. Will God ever allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle? No. Will God ever allow us to be tempted to where we are forced to sin and no, have no option but to go with the desires of our heart, even if they're sinful? Will God ever give us more temptation than we can handle? No. He always provides a way of escape. As you think about this verse, all mankind struggles with temptation. All womankind struggles with temptation. If you think that in this room full of believers and some that are kicking the tires on faith, if you think that you're the only one who struggles, the Bible here says you're not the only one who struggles with temptation. We all deal with a temptation or two, or two dozen, or two hundred. We all deal with temptation. But the other thing I know from this verse is that all mankind doesn't give in to temptation. We look and we say in today's day and age, even in the church, well, everybody struggles. I'm covered by grace. So that must mean everybody's doing what they're tempted to do. No, 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 no. Because God is faithful and always provide a way of escape. Yes, all mankind, yes, all womankind struggles with temptation. But not all mankind and not all womankind follow through on the temptation that is before them. Friends, if we were bound to follow through with every temptation, there would be no hope and no victory in Christ Jesus. And yet here we see that our faith is greater than temptation because God always provides a what? He always provides a way out, a way of escape. So my faith says that sin isn't the only option when I'm tempted. My faith says that God is with me and will always provide a way of escape. Because what? He is faithful. How does God provide a way of escape? 
You ever thought about that? The way of escape that God provides is our free will. You realize that you have a choice. You have the ability to make a decision that's God-honoring in every situation. There is no place in the world where it's impossible for you to make a God-honoring decision. Because he always provides a way of escape. Your free will. The other way of escape that God provides as his Holy Spirit works in us, he gives us self-control. He gives us the ability to say no to sinfulness and yes to righteousness because he's at work in us. The other way that God provides a way of escape, if me saying no isn't enough, if the Holy Spirit of God empowering me to say say no doesn't work enough, another way that God provides a way of escape is through accountability where you bring some people in your world and say, would you help me say yes to righteousness and no to sinfulness. Would you help me live by my faith and not fall to temptation every time? Would you help me? See, that's the power of community that says, what you need help doing, we are here to help you. What you need strength doing, we are here to strengthen you. God always provides a way of escape because my faith is greater than temptation. A few weeks back, I was out working in the backyard I was pushing the lawnmower, and I felt this sting on my ear. And I reached up and grabbed, and there was a yellow jacket right there on my hand. It had stung me. And I hate, anybody here like getting stung by insects? I hate it. And so I feel that sting on my ear. And then I look up, and sure enough, in the tree that I was mowing around, there was a little nest of yellow jackets. Well, for the next few weeks, whenever I went to mow, I would just dodge that yellow jacket nest, right? I'm mowing like I'm on the matrix. And so I I would just dodge it. And then I decided this past week to go into the cabinet and to pull out the wasp and hornet spray. Oh, is there any more fulfilling moment in the world than when you spray a nest full of yellow jackets? You cover them with that foam And then you just start counting down because you know what's coming next. They're going to start dropping all the way to the ground. Friends, in our battle with temptation, do you believe that your faith is actually strong enough to defeat it? So that you don't have to simply dodge it and live with it? So that you don't simply have to be aware and, and, and stay clear? But instead, your faith can actually defeat the temptation that's in your, in your life? Friends, I've seen it happen in my life, and the only thing that's more fulfilling than taking down some yellow jackets is taking down my own personal temptation, where God frees me from that, because he provides a way of escape, and he provides people to help me find that way of escape. Second thing I want you to know is we look at greater than thinking is that God's grace is greater than my shame. Anytime I face temptation and I fail, this sense of shame can come over me. Anytime I do something that I know breaks the heart of God and I had a choice in that, 
Anytime I know that I didn't use my free will or my self-control or my community correctly, shame can come on board. But as we read the Bible together, I want you to know that God's grace is greater than my shame. Romans 5, 1 and 2, listen to this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This justification is a one-time moment where we believe in Christ and he gives us life and he gives us peace with himself. And through our Lord Jesus Christ, now verse 2, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Friends, do you realize that because of your relationship with Jesus, you have a completely different standing with God? You now stand in His grace. You now live in His grace. You now walk and run and work and raise families in His grace. You live not in shame, believer in Jesus Christ, but instead you stand in His grace. So my question, the next time you're tempted and the next time you fail with temptation, are you going to sit in shame or are you going to stand in God's grace? Are you going to sit in shame or are you going to stand in His grace because sitting in shame never leads to life change? But standing in His grace reminds you that your faith works. Standing in His grace reminds you, second, that what the Bible says in 1 John 4, verse 4, is true. Listen to this. Dear children, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. John was encouraging the church by saying that, that we have overcome the world. We've overcome. And we have overcome because the one who is in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world, the enemy that's tempting us. The Holy Spirit of God who is in us is greater than the one who's tempting us, the one who's prowling like a lion to see whom he can devour. Church, do you believe that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world? Do you believe that the Spirit of God at work in you is greater than anything or anyone, any trial, any trouble? He is greater than. And because of that, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. We don't have to sit in shame. We can stand in His grace. Because the one who is in us is greater than the one who's in the world. So, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. The next time you're tempted, remind yourself that you know what's true. The one who's in me is greater than the one who's in the world. The next time that you're going to go off the deep end in anger, the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. The next time that you're going to let your mouth say something that's not beneficial for everybody around, the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. You have victory in Jesus, believer in Jesus Christ. The one who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And let me tell you why this is so important. 
This is so important because if we don't realize that, that, that God's grace is greater than our shame, what we will do is push the self-destruct button on our life anytime things get hard or anytime we fall to sin. I see it all the time. People get in this self-destruct spiral or they push this self-destruct button because they are covered with shame. And shame wins when we push the self-destruct button. We look at it and we say, well, I've already messed up. It doesn't really matter what I do next. Well, I'm already a sinner who's, who's not walking with God. It doesn't matter what I do next. We let that shame spiral continue. We push that self-destruct button. And when we do that, we forget that the one who is in us is greater than the one who's in the world. If you are struggling right now and you are going down that spiral and it breaks your heart one more time to see yourself doing the things you're doing, hear me. The one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. And God is faithful. He will always provide a way of escape because God's grace is greater than your shame. And the last one, God's mercy is greater than man's judgment. As we look at the fact that Jesus is greater than any temptation, our faith is greater than temptation, God's grace is greater than our shame, and God's mercy is greater than man's judgment. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. As men and women, we are quick to judge when people fail, when people don't meet our expectations, when people fall short of our standards. We are quick to judge. But what is God quick to do? God is quick to provide mercy. What is God quick to do? God is quick to open the door to ongoing relationship, ongoing life with him. In fact, did you see what the Bible said here? That God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ Jesus. The reason we can live a new and changed life is because our faith works. The reason we can live a new and changed life is because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. The reason we can live a changed life is because God has made us alive. He hasn't just made bad people good. He has made dead people alive. And he comes to you and to me and says, I'm rich in mercy. Let's live this new life together. I'm rich in mercy. Let's do this together. Don't allow a man or a woman to judge you. Don't judge yourself Because I am rich in mercy. The Old Testament, Psalm 86, verse 15. Listen to how God is talked about. And we should all thank God for this. Psalm 86, 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. See, when we are quick to judge others, we miss the heart of God. And when we allow the judgment of others to speak to us, we miss God's heart for us. For he is compassionate and gracious. 
He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love and faithfulness. Do you realize that God's mercies are made new every day so that we can walk with him every day? God's mercies are fresh and new with every sunrise so that we can live for him every day. See, his mercy calls to you and says, walk with me, let me grow you. Walk with me, let me change you. His grace calls to you and says, don't live in shame. You stand in grace. By faith, he invites you to look and to say, you always have a way of escape. You can do this because I am alive in you. So as we look at Jesus being greater than any temptation, when tempted, what do you do? First thing, turn away from temptation by faith. What escape route will you take? Will it be your no? Will it be the Spirit of God convicting you and saying, don't go there? What will be your way of escape? Will you invite others in to help you live in the victory that's yours? But when we're tempted, we must, by faith, turn from that temptation. Second, we're going to reject shame and embrace grace. Shame only leads to that spiral of destruction. Shame only leads to more sin. But you know what grace leads to? Grace leads to victory. Grace leads to confidence. Grace leads us right back to the throne of God. So I'm going to reject shame and embrace grace. And then third, I'm going to live the new life that God has given me. It's a simple grid for making decisions. It's a simple grid for doing life with God. Am I living based on the old me? Or am I living based on the power of God at work in me? Am I looking more like the the man or the woman who is dead or more and more like the one who is alive and giving me life? So I'm going to turn from that temptation. There's always a way of escape. I'm going to reject shame and embrace grace. And I'm going to live the new life that God has given me. And all of this is possible. Why? Because Jesus is greater than. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open the word today and to be challenged and encouraged and strengthened. God, help us now to apply it to our lives. Right now, church family, I want you to pray and think about an area where you are being tempted right now. Maybe not in this very moment, but in this last week, in this last month. You have been tempted. Maybe again and again and again and again with that same temptation. What is it? I want you to go to God right now and thank him that he is greater than any temptation you're facing. And I want you to go to God and ask him to show you your way of escape. Sin isn't your only option. In fact, when we walk with God, it's not even an option. God, show me my way of escape. And God, as I come to you, would you give me grace and mercy like you promised to? 
As the church prays, if you've never believed in Jesus for life, I invite you to make today your day. Because Christ came and lived a perfect life and died a criminal's death on the cross. And because he rose again, he offers you life. Life forever with him in heaven and a new life with him here on earth. If you've never believed in Christ to find life, make today your day. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior, and you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. As we continue to pray, if today was your day to believe, let somebody know. Tell that friend that brought you. Use a response card in front of you. Or better yet, stop by the information center and pick up a new believer's kit. There's a Bible and some other resources to help you get growing in your walk with Christ. Fathers, we give you our lives. We also prepare to give you our offering. Help us to give freely and generously of both. We pray in Jesus' name.